This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's Moranalytics podcast, I'm going to have Jeff Boyd from the 716 Sports Podcast and also from Buffalo 20. We'll talk some Buffalo Bills. The team went out. They signed cornerback Josh Norman earlier this week. We'll have some thoughts on that. Plenty of thoughts on free agency. Folks, it's almost here. Less than a week. Next Monday, in fact, legal tampering begins. Players are going to start changing teams. Who may be coming? Who may be going for the Buffalo Bills? We'll both discuss that. Also, plenty of Buffalo Sabres talk. Look, it's almost... A foregone conclusion at this point, especially the way the team has collapsed down the stretch that general manager Jason Bottrell, he's on his last days in that title with Buffalo. But is that enough? Will Terry Bagula clean house? Will there be more changes to come? That also includes the head coach. Is Ralph Kruger yet another one-and-done head coach in Buffalo? We'll hit on that. Got the Moranalytics podcast interest meter, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Plenty more coming up with my buddy Jeff Boyd. I'll have that for you in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by Audimute. For nearly two decades, Audimute has set the standard for providing cutting-edge acoustic treatments for recording and sound environments. From your home studio to commercial settings, such as the office, restaurants, gyms, and auditoriums, Audimute is the best sound treatment company out there. That's because they refuse to compromise on the quality of their products and service ever. Easy, green, affordable. My home studio has Audimute acoustic panels and the difference has literally been remarkable night and day. Look, don't just throw up foam on your walls, decide it looks pretty and call it a day. It might look the part, but it's not going to improve your sound. Visit Audimute.com for info and deals, including a free room analysis form and the ability to speak with an acoustic specialist. Do your sound, do the people who hear it a very big service. Go visit Audimute.com. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everyone? How you doing? Episode 202, Moranalytics Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening and continuing to download the podcast. means a lot to me. Got a lot to get to today. Bill Sabres, all kinds of other stuff. Not going to waste any time here at the top. Let's get right down to business. I am joined today by recurring guest, good buddy of mine, Jeff Boyd from the 716 Sports Podcast and also from Buffalo 20. What's going on, Jeff? By the way, man, it's been a good month and a half or so since we hooked up. How you been? 
No, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. A lot has happened while both teams have kind of been stagnant, which is fine for the Bills who are in the offseason, but eh, for reasons we'll talk about, maybe not so great for the hockey team. Nope, not at all. I assume you've been keeping busy between the two podcasts, and of course you call a ton of hockey games. Busy season for you. Yeah, so the Buffalo Junior Sabres are currently in the middle of the playoffs. They just advanced past the first round. They're going to head to face defending champion Oakville starting here this upcoming Friday. And then I was uh, lucky to get involved with, uh, asked to call the College Hockey America Championships at Harbor Center over the past weekend. So Thursday to Saturday, uh, Division One Women's Hockey and then the Atlantic Hockey Championships, which will be Canisius and Niagara's Conference Men's Hockey coming up here next weekend. So hockey season's winding down, but certainly March with all the playoffs gets to be a, a little crazy up here for me. You still got your voice, man. Impressive. Yeah, two, a couple days ago was a little bad. You waited just long enough to have me on here that I got it back and sounded okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were just talking for a few minutes before we started taping and I had to revert back. I'm not going to bore people with the uh, technical details, but... I had to, I have a new machine, a new processor that I've been using, but for whatever reason, when me and you hook up, I don't hear your natural voice. It doesn't sound as good, but now I got my old one back that I'm taping with today. And this is the Jeff Boyd I know, man. This is the smooth sounding, slick Jeff Boyd that I know. You sound good. I, I don't think I'm ever going to use my new processor again when I have you on. <laughs> hey, whatever. As long as the people love it and you love it, I'm, I'm, I'm cool to roll with whatever you got down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, I have plenty of Bills and Sabres talk, but I kind of want to start here because I wasn't planning on talking about this, but maybe we're taping this later on Tuesday night, about 10, 15 minutes before I gave you a call to hook up to tape this. Joe DiBiase from WGR 550 slapped up a poll, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, man. I thought it was a total joke. I thought he was just trying to be funny, and he, but then I should have realized we're talking about Bills fans here. He asked... Who gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl right now? Okay, and there's only two choices. One of them is Josh Allen, of course. And then the other one is Tom Brady. Okay, so one of those two guys right now give you a better chance to win a Super Bowl. And as we're talking, and this is, I don't know, maybe 8.15 p.m. on Tuesday night, 600 votes. Are you ready for this nonsense? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. 57.6. So let's round it off. 58% of the voters on this poll say Josh Allen gives the Buffalo Bills a better chance to win a Super Bowl. Actually, it doesn't even say the Bills. Who gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl right now? 58% of fans that voted, which I'm sure the majority of them are Buffalo Bills fans, because that's who follows Joe primarily, I'm sure. 42% for Tom Brady. Dude, 58% of fans are on acid or drugs or something ridiculous. That's got to be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my entire life when it comes to sports. I hope people are joking and they did that to be funny, but I mean, it's not even close. 58% Josh Allen. Now it's up to 59. People voting with their hearts and not with their brains, maybe. I mean, the question is not who gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl in two years when Tom Brady is probably out of the league and Josh Allen is theoretically continuing to develop more and more each year. I would have a hard time if you gave me, and again, not just specifically the Bills, give me any NFL team, pick one of these guys to lead you in the playoffs. I think we think too much about that one nice play Josh had running around versus Houston as opposed to the whole body of work of Tom Brady's career in the playoffs. He's a guy who doesn't ever shoot you in the foot, and that's the kind of quarterback who with the Bills' defense would be. That's a scary thought. If they were to get a, a game manager like that, 
combined with the defense with all the returning pieces next year, I would. I mean, you, you, your vote and my vote is the same. I would take Brady too. <laughs> I mean, that's. I don't even have to think for a half a second about it. I don't care how old Tom Brady is. First of all, neither of us are suggesting that the Bills are in play for him. That's clearly not going to happen. But the point is just ridiculous. And I mean, look, I get it to an extent. I understand how fans have that natural homeristic point of view. And I'm sure if you ran, you know, we don't pay attention to the other teams, but I would think you would get some, there'd be people who are New York Jets fans who probably think Sam Darnold gives the Jets a better chance to win a Super Bowl right now than Tom Brady. But it does, it just, it doesn't take away from the ridiculousness of it. Which by the way, we're going to hit on Tom Brady a little later on in the podcast. But the big news Monday, the Bills signed a cornerback, Josh Norman, one year, $6 million deal, pretty much a one-year base salary only, as far as I know, no signing bonus at all. So it's a purely a prove-it deal. When you first heard about this, what were your thoughts? Because, I mean, he was released a couple weeks ago. He's a name, former pro bowler, at one time one of the best corners in the NFL. And naturally, when he got released by Washington, there were connections to Buffalo because of Sean McDermott in Carolina, who was the coordinator at the time. But what were your initial thoughts on that? Well, Pat, one of the common threads that you and I find ourselves talking about here on this show every time we we get together for the Bills segment is how nice it is for the Bills to have so much money in free agency here this year. And sure. one of the luxuries that this gives you is the ability to go out and maybe spend this money on a guy who a lot of people would not be lining up for, especially not at his original deal. Now, I'm glad they're not paying him what Washington would have been paying him had they not released him. But for $6 million a year, with the money that the Bills have available, what is, like there is no worst case scenario for me. Just give give it a shot. Clearly, I mean, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean know him better than anyone else who's out there courting him in free agency. That's that's for sure. His only other old former coach, Ron Rivera, was in Washington by the point that he was jettisoned away from uh, from the team there. $6 million for a guy who at one point was maybe the best cornerback in football. I know he's not the guy that he was those first couple of years in Carolina, but put him across from Trey White. You got Levi Wallace back on board. You got Hyde and Poyer back there behind him. If he's bad, you move on. If he's great, you just paid $6 million for a guy who was at one point, like people would have been lining up to pay him $20 million a year. Yeah, I agree with that. And let's start with the the positive points of it. You kind of hit on it. He was one of the better cornerbacks, maybe the best at one time in the NFL. Again, no guaranteed money. I like the fact that he is going to McDermott. And Sean McDermott, listen, you could say whatever you want about him. He's known. I mean, he has a well-earned reputation for getting the best out of players, especially in the secondary at cornerback. He's done it several times, whether it's somebody like Trey White or some of the lesser-known corners, including Levi Wallace, that he's had under his tutelage. So I'm definitely going to give him that for sure. And I also like the fact that there will be less pressure on him because he's clearly not coming to be the number one corner. That's Trey White. So Trey White's going to be on that number one receiver all the time. So that won't be Josh Norman. So that plays well for him. I'll tell you this though, with Trey White, we'll find out pretty quickly if Josh Norman is, if he has anything left or if he's washed because you know, they're going after him. They're definitely going to go after him, especially after the last few years of what we've seen. They're coming after him. So we're going to find out relatively early, assuming that, you know, he goes through training camp with no hiccups and and he makes this roster and ends up starting. You'll find out early what he is. Yeah. But, and and one other thing you mentioned there, Pat was the lack of guaranteed money. This is a really easy deal for them to walk away from here at this point and not find themselves in a bad cap situation. 
it's a win-win for everyone involved. Norman gets a chance to come in here and prove that he deserves more money and a longer-term deal the next time around. The Bills get a guy with a high ceiling and a chance to walk away from him easily. And then yeah, for Norman, he doesn't have to be lined up game in and game out against the top receivers of the other team like he was when he started in Washington, which gives him a chance to get more beneficial matchups. You can protect him a little bit more if he's slowing down. I, I like the signing a lot. I know some Bills fans were wondering why they bother, but this is a just for me a great depth move uh, to shore up a defense that is already pretty well tooled. Well, I'll say this much. I agree to an extent and where I disagree, and if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't have necessarily a problem with them signing Josh Norman. In fact, I have no problem with that. I do have a problem if they don't do anything else. And I'm not counting bringing Levi Wallace back. They've already... That's already a done deal. This is where, and I'm not talking about Josh Norman specifically. I'm just talking about players in general. I don't agree with the statement so many people make where there's it's such a low-risk move or it's a no-risk move. That's not always true. Sure, they could get away from the money. They could get away from the contract. But let's just say, and I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but let's just say the Bills don't do anything else. They lost. They're going to lose Kevin Johnson. I'm thinking that's the assumption. I would think that they probably talked to Kevin Johnson's camp and got a number and said, we're not going to pay him, so we're going to start looking somewhere else. And then Josh Norman became available. I'm not saying it's impossible for them to bring back Johnson. I just don't see that happening. So let's assume that doesn't happen. Because you go out and you get Josh Norman, if they don't go out and do anything else in free agency at all, like say they don't get somebody equal to Kevin Johnson, okay? Because... They sign Josh Norman, and then they don't take a corner anytime really in a draft. Let's say they don't take one in a fourth or fifth round, something like that. Now you're going into camp, and you obviously got Trey White, and then you got a battle between Levi Wallace and Norman. And let's just say, hypothetically, I hope I'm wrong, of course, but let's just say Josh Norman is washed because, it. look, he's not been good for the last few years, and I know he's been on an inferior team with no talent around him, put in some bad situations. But the bottom line is, no matter what way you look at it, he has not been good for the last couple of years. He got benched for the last five games of the season last year. Let's just say that that's who he is now. He's 32 years old and he doesn't really have anything left. Now, and you get rid of him. Okay, that's great. Six million gone against the cap. You didn't get burned there. But now you're stuck with Levi Wallace, who regressed badly last year. Maybe he'll bounce back this year, but I did not think he was very good last year. If you don't do anything to supplement this move, and I'm not saying they're not going to, I have a problem with it if they're going to rely on it. That's why I don't always buy there's no risk. There is a risk. There's a risk that Brandon Bean is confident enough in him that they don't go out and they don't do further address this position with any kind of significance, and then Norman flops, and you're in a lot of trouble. Well, certainly you risk complacency. You can be like, well, we got our guy. Wash your hands and walk away. I guess man, maybe this is finally the the light at the end of the long drought tunnel shining through here for me. I trust that yes. this coaching staff and this general manager yes. have done a really good job, especially on defense, of finding good depth, getting way more guys than they could possibly ever use. Think, Look at what they did with even just defensive tackle last year. They're great at making late moves for guys like Corey Legit, things like that. Um, I don't think they're going to make a ton of free agent moves this year because I think that you have to look towards next year's free agency where guys like Matt Milano and Trey White start coming up for deals. Uh, Deion Dawkins is a free agent, so maybe they don't spend quite as much here this year, but I'm, I guess I'm not too concerned. I think they do make another move either in the early 
to middle part of the draft or another free agent uh, pickup in the secondary. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You hit the nail on the head, and it's worth discussing a little bit. Trust in this organization. We're going to be talking Buffalo Sabres in a few minutes, and it's the anti, it's the polar opposite. I don't trust It's crazy anything. how those roles have reversed, too, because, I mean, for it the is. longest time, you had no trust in the Bills, and we just fi- blindly believed in the Sabres, and now here we are today. We'll talk about the exact opposite of that of that situation. It's it's a literal opposite because you hit the nail on the head. Again, I I trust this regime right now. They've given me no reason not to. Let's not forget last year, they knocked it out of the ballpark when it came to free agency. And sure, you had John Brown and Cole Beasley. Those are two names, recognizable names that even the casual Bills fan, know, they knew them well. But I mean, you're going out and you're talking guys like Quinn in Spain. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Kevin Johnson, who I thought was pretty decent. John Feliciano, who was incredible. I really liked him a lot. They signed a lot of good players last year in free agency. They were big time. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few off the top of my head right now. Big time contributors. So I feel like the way this roster is being built by Bean, they definitely have earned our trust. Again, I don't really, I'm only concerned about Josh Norman while admitting that I do trust this organization. I'm I'm just, I'm at least mildly concerned. I don't want him to call it a day because I'm not high on Levi Wallace whatsoever. Now, going into the draft, I firmly believe, and we'll start to know more when free agency starts and we see what they do at wide receiver, but I think cornerback is going to be in play very, very early in this draft, possibly even at pick 22, because look, even if Josh Norman is pretty good, would you agree that I would say for him to be an improvement over last year or even a a decent signing, I would say the goal is for him just to not be a liability, right? Yeah, you just got to be able to do your job and cover your part of the field, really, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, just don't be a liability. Don't make everyone else try to cover up your mistakes. Not that not that they don't have guys who can bail him out, but don't make a habit of making those guys make the flashy plays and save you. Yeah, absolutely. Just got to take care of your guy, take care of your responsibilities. Right. And I feel like at cornerback, that's why I said I really think it's a play because let's say Josh Dorman, he does live up to expectations and maybe in some cases even exceeds him and he's decent. At the end of the day, dude's 32 years old. He's not going to be around playing corner for that much longer. I still, again, I'm, I'm not, it's not that I'm anti-Levi Wallace. I just think he's more of a role player than a than a CB2 at this point. And I'm not sure that's ever going to change for me. So anyway, my whole point was this. As long as they go out and they get a corner, whether it's another one in free agency or they draft one relatively early, which I really think they're going to do, I got no problem overall with that position. But I keep coming back to what you said because it just makes so much sense. It, I wish this podcast, I wish we were doing this for a number of years because it's funny to be able to talk about trusting the process and in, in the uh, in the organization to make the right moves. Because, I mean, let's be honest too, with these Bills fans here, okay? We signed Josh Norman. If that would have been the Jets who did that, let's say the, the New York Jets signed Josh Norman. Tell me I'm wrong. On Twitter, everyone be making fun of it, right? If you're a Buffalo fan. Oh, yeah. And especially with the New York media and everything, too. They just would have been carving it up and like, oh, the Jets bringing another big name to the big city and talking about everything that he did. But because it happens, because Brandon Bean is the guy who does it because of his and Sean McDermott's relationship with Josh, everyone is everyone's on board. Buffalo fans are there. There is belief now. There is trust and it's been rewarded. The difference in, on top of not just having guys who make moves that make sense. It's like, wow, we actually made progress last year, too, with the plan that these guys put in place. Playoffs twice in three years for a team that hadn't made it in almost two full decades. 
uh, has everyone, myself included, kind of drinking the Kool-Aid. But yeah, it's a whole different scenario if Josh Norman goes to the Jets or the Giants or he goes down and plays for the Dolphins or any of these teams that don't have that kind of faith and understanding between the management and the fan base. A few other moves who that Buffalo made on Monday. We talked about Levi Wallace. They also tendered Robert Foster. He was exclusive rights, and that means he's either playing for the Bills or he's not playing for anyone else. And they also option uh, they exercise their option on Spencer Long, who, given what's going on with Quinn in Spain, that could turn out to be a pretty good move. Let's talk about a couple of these free agents real quick. I mean, there's not too much to cover that it hasn't been already, but there's a handful of obviously talented Bills players who were good contributors last year that they might say goodbye to. And by the way, while this thought is fresh in my head, they signed Josh Norman, who will not count against comp picks for next year because he was cut and he signed before free agency starts. So he doesn't go against that formula. The comp picks for the draft were revealed on Tuesday. And for what seems to be the 10,000th year in a row, the Bills did not get any comp picks. I'm starting to think, with the guys that they're going to lose potentially with Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips and Quinn in Spain, who might get nice deals in the market. And I'm don't think the bills are going to be overly active in free agency because you talked about it earlier. I think that they're going to try to sign one or two of their own two extensions. Maybe going out and getting a guy like Josh Norman, something that we just talked about, but we neglected both of us is, you know, because he's not a free agent guy that might end up, helping them get an extra comp pick come next year by going that route. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's, it's, and every year you look at the New England Patriots, like, man, how does a team that's that good every year find a way to get four comp picks again this year? It's um, the way they just micromanage assets and just find every little advantage to be had. Uh, now, of course it helps when you've been building that system for years and you be able, you were able to take these guys for 15, 20 years and mold the team exactly how you want. So Brandon Bean hasn't quite had that luxury yet, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a chance to, I mean, Hell, you could have a late third-round pick, an early fourth-round pick, a late fourth-round pick. These are guys who, I mean, doesn't matter where you're drafted. Hell, you don't even have to be drafted. Just get fresh bodies in there, take a chance on some of these guys. Absolutely, an extra comp pick is a great thing to have. Shaq Lawson, to me, is the guy that I really want back the most of the Bills penny free agents. However, I'm starting to think that he's going to be one of the least likely to return. I don't know if you, again, you've been busy calling all these games, living life. I know it was your dad's birthday on Monday. He took him out. So by the way, happy birthday to your dad. But he tweeted on Monday. He was, or he quote tweeted somebody. I don't remember who it was. Said free agency starts in one week. And Shaq responded with yes, sir. With a bunch of exclamation points. Clearly excited about it. As he should be, by the way. I mean, he's going to go out. He's going to make a life-changing decision and get paid a lot of money. He should be excited. I got no problem with that. And then of course, Look, Buffalo Bills fans, and I I don't want to sound like I'm bashing them because I kind of did earlier with the Tom Brady, Josh Allen thing. Bills fans are the best. They're amazing. But there's always a couple dumb ones, just like in every fan base. Some fan tweeted at him. He never lived up to the hype. Let him walk. And then Shaq came back at him and, you know, cited the fact that he never started a game, which he did not start one game last year. He only played 47% of the snaps, but he was still second on the team in sacks. He had six and a half, and he led the team in tackles for losses. Anyway, productive player. Sounds a little combative. Very excited to hit free agency. I'm starting to think because literally, again, this is drop Wednesday morning. So five days from now, players can legally be tampered with. And essentially, they're going to be signing come next Monday. I have not heard one single thing about any contract offer or negotiation going on with Shaq. And 
It's starting to sound to me like he's going to be uh, he's going to, he's going to be gone, and, and he's and he's going to get paid. It really feels like he's that guy who is going to be the the consolation prize for these guys who are chasing Jadeveon Clowney and hoping Yannick Ngakwe is going to be freed from Jacksonville. This has all the makings of him making upwards of $10 million a year somewhere that is in Buffalo. I would agree. I don't think he's going to be here. And everyone's going to be looking at that deal in three years. Would like, you pay him $10 million did, a year? Would you pay him? Man, I don't know that I would, if I'm honest with you. For a guy who was on the field 40% of the time, he had one good year. He had a really good year. I actually really liked his play this year, to his credit. I thought it was very good. But you've got one good year and three years where everyone was in a consensus that they should just get rid of him immediately. People play better in contract years. I wonder if he's got that same hunger and motivation if he signs a five-year, $50 million deal, five-year, $55 million deal somewhere in the offseason and feels like he's he's proven himself and has to learn a new system. I bet you he's not as good next year as he was this year for the Bills. I would agree that I don't think he's going to be here. The guy I think was most likely to be here still is Jordan Phillips. I don't think he's going to get maybe as much money as people initially thought he would when you look at the stats. For some reason, he really seems to be flying under the radar. I know you mentioned it the last time I think I was on the show that a lot of outlets don't even list him as one of the top available free agents in in spite of the numbers that he put up on that defensive line last year. I could see him taking maybe a million dollars less a year to come back to Buffalo, and that would be a nice addition to that D-line because if you don't get Jack Lawson back, you got an aging Trent Murphy, you got an aging Jerry Hughes. Defensive end suddenly becomes a position where you start to wonder what the next move is there. Well. Let me say this. We've talked a few times now about trusting Brandon Bean. So no matter what he does, I'm not going to, my head's not going to explode like every time Jason Bottrell makes a move, like trading for a guy who ultimately ends up a healthy scratch and sitting in the press box. Not going to lose my mind like I do with that. But I will say this. I really hope that the, the philosophy this year is different than last year. Last year was so obvious because the team lacked talent, dude. They were not good one year ago at this time, they had to go out, be very aggressive and sign a lot of guys in free agency. And I totally get it. And it worked. I mean, again, free agency worked for the bills last year. That's, that's why they were a playoff team. I mean, it's simple as that this time around, I'm not feeling the same way. I want to bring back our own guys this year. Really bad. You mentioned Jordan Phillips. I'd love to have him back. And by the way, it was a good point. I also agree with you. I think there's a handful of DTs on the market that are going to get paid a lot. I think the market might dry up a little bit after that. If he can go out and get a big deal, good for him. By the way, it would be earned too. Nine and a half sacks last year. I thought he was a great player. I really do. And again, contract year, maybe. I don't know, but I like him. Plus, by the way, if he can get him at a decent, even a decent deal, even if you overpay him a little bit, I'm all right with overpaying him a little bit because you know what? Ed Oliver's going to be the starter. He's going to be the man. You don't need Jordan Phillips to go out there and play 67% of the snaps and be dominant. You just need him to be a good role player. So if you got to overpay a little bit for that, you know how much the Bills love to rotate on the defensive line. I got no issue with them overpaying a little bit for Jordan Phillips. He's earned it. And I don't, I think we disagree at least slightly with Shaq. Definitely a contract year, and that would definitely be a concern. That's 100%. I think you're right on that. But I like him, and I would pay him $10 million a year. For, for, for starters, if you go sign Shaq Lawson and give him whatever the annual average is $10 million a year, you can cut Trent Murphy the next day. Get rid of him. You can save $8 million against the cap right there by cutting him. Give me Shaq at 10 over Trent Murphy at 8 any day of the week. You can cut Trent Murphy, go out and try to get yourself a 2 or $3 million third or fourth DE, or you can look to one relatively early in the draft, which I think is definitely going to be on the table. I'm not a big, 
Although Trent Murphy did play much better at the end of last season, I'll give him that. I just really like Shaq Lawson. I really do. I think he's a good all-around player. I think this was the year where his stats showed it, but even before that, I think he was very good against the run, one of the better run defenders in the NFL. So I really hope he does come back. And Quinn in Spain, I really don't know. I think he's the other big name free agent, I suppose, in a way. I guess I think that comes down to what you think. And by you, I mean like the organization. They're going to do with Cody Ford. If Cody Ford, if the intention is to play guard, then Spain's gone. If they want to keep Cody Ford at tackle, then I would think that they want to try to keep Spain. What do you think about that? And in terms of Shaq, I do agree with you that I do think he's going to be gone. I've heard, now I'm not going to say from credible people, and but it does make sense. I've heard a lot of rumblings that Shaq Lawson really wants to go reunite with his college buddy, Deshaun Watson in Houston. But anyway, what do you think about that? And what do you think about Spain? Do you want him back? I think we need offensive line depth on this team. And of course, that's depending on how much money Quentin Spain is able to get himself on the open market. And I'm never going to begrudge these guys going out and getting their payday. These guys earned him Phillips loss and they earn every penny they're about to make in free yeah. agency here this year. And good for them going out there and getting what they deserve to in, in the open market. Um, I would I would agree that it does depend a little bit on what they plan on doing with Cody Ford. But if the number is not ridiculous, I would like to have Quentin Spain back here on this team just because I feel better. The more offensive linemen you have, you know, it's such a physical position. So many guys get banged up and hurt. The Bills have had historically just over the last couple of years. I feel like we've had so many guys just missing a game here, a game there. Ladrian Waddle going down before last season. And, you know, I, I would feel better having more guys than necessary on that offensive line, especially when you have, again, the cap space that this team has. They can afford to overpay, give a million dollars more to Spain or give a million dollars more to Phillips maybe than they would have normally wanted to and still be still be in a good spot. When it comes to free agency, without naming a player, because honestly, the player don't matter, but if you had it your way and they were going to go out and sign one I don't want to, they're not, I don't think they're going to break the bank for anyone, nor should they, because again, you've said it, Dawkins, Milano, Poyer, Trey White, although they can exercise an option for fifth year on Trey White, three of those four guys are going into the last year of their deals. You, you want to get those done. These are your core players. And I think Brandon Bean's philosophy is going to be develop your own and keep your own and supplement it with pieces that'll help you. Like maybe a Josh Norman, why you continue to draft and develop new players, but if you're going to go into free agency right now, what would be your primary, like if you were going to go out and spend some decent money on maybe one, forget the name, but like one position before you head into the draft, what do you think you would want to do? I think you can keep looking at offensive line. Um, curious if they will look at Quentin Spain or take this as an opportunity to go out. There's some interesting names out there. For me, the biggest hole now on the team is where Lorenzo Alexander used to be. You can use another guy to be a leader on that linebacking core. I know you've got Tremaine Edmonds and Milano. You need at least one more guy there. You can roll through there. Lorenzo's going to be tough to replace in terms of his leadership and his understanding of the field, uh, but maybe going out and getting a good linebacker to complement those two would be where I would look first. Let's take a break. I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by 26 Shirts. Over at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo-themed design is sold every two weeks, and then bam, that's it. That's a wrap for that shirt. Here's the best part about what they do. For every single shirt sold, they make a donation to a specific worthy campaign or to a charity each and every single time. Since launching in 2013, their designs and shirts have managed to raise and donate 
several hundred thousand dollars. That number grows literally daily. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable. They're sporty. They look good on you. I have several myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause need you this week. Let's switch gears for a few minutes here. Not as fun, all right? The Buffalo Bills, we feel are on their way up. They're ascending. Sabres, not so much, man. Six straight losses before Monday night, defeating Washington in a shootout, which was nice. But dude, six straight losses, 10 goals they scored in those six losses. Six straight losses since the trade deadline. They went into Monday night. I don't know if they moved up in the standings, but they were 26th in the NHL and 14th in the East. That's the notes that I had written down on Monday night. Dude, this took a turn for the worse. I mean, I haven't had you on in a month and a half, so I haven't had you on before the trade deadline. I had Joe Yurden on from The Athletic that next morning, but I'm pretty confident you would have shared the same sentiments as Joe did because the team was playing well leading up to the trade deadline. I think they were like 6-3-1 and one or something like that over there. Last 10, they weren't buyers. They weren't sellers. They kind of reshifted the roster a little bit. They got Simmons. They got Cahoon. And then it just went to shit, man. They go on the West. They lose all four games. And Jason Bottrell talking about those meaningful games in March. That that was done on what, March 2nd? Yeah, I don't think any of those March games ended up being meaningful. No. And you, you, you mentioned it. Really, I was at the, the Winnipeg game at home the day before the trade deadline. I was in attendance at that game, watched them beat the Jets. I know it's not the greatest year for the Jets here, but they beat a good Winnipeg team. They were comfortably ahead almost the entire game. And I'm sitting there like, I really wonder what they're going to do because this is a team that has a roster that you would think they're trying to sell pieces for draft picks, but I don't think they're going to do it. And then they didn't do it, of course. They went and they traded a draft pick for Wayne Simmons. And they went and made the trade, Rodriguez and Sherry for Kuhn. It is amazing to see you know, New Jersey, a seller, sells Wayne Simmons to the Sabres for a mid-level pick. We take Wayne Simmons, lose four consecutive games, and then New Jersey, the team that was behind us, that was selling off players, passes the Sabres in the standings. It has been <laughs> a real bad couple weeks. It has. New Jersey 6-2-2 two, and two in there. I'm looking at it right now as we're taping this. They're tied with the Sabres, both at 68 points as of later in the evening on Tuesday. Look, is there any way, again, I got I to gotta go back to Joe Yurden because I had him on the day after and we had a pretty lengthy conversation. I remember asking him specifically, I said, is Jason Bottrell safe? And he said at that time, and I'm not criticizing Joe because I agreed with him and so did pretty much everyone at the time. That's short of, you know, a calamity towards the end of the season that it certainly felt like he was going to be back. So now we're seven games after that. They've lost six at 07. Tough games coming up. They got 13 games left. That calamity arrived. Do you start to feel right now that Bottrell's gone when this season ends? They got 13 more games left. Let's just say... This is reasonable to say they win maybe five to six of those 13. I'll even, I might even be being a little generous right now with the way this team's been playing. But let's just say that, you know, a little less than 500 over the last 13 and combined with the way they fell on their face after the trade deadline, a lot of fans are angry and I'm sure that's not lost upon ownership. Do you think this guy's gone? 
I mean, the bigger question is, do you think it's lost on the ownership? Because ownership has been completely absent from anything even remotely resembling a hockey team over the last few months. I mean, thinking back even to the the Dwayne call on GR and everything, and Kim Pagula is only tweeting about her daughter's skincare products on the Internet, and they don't have any finger on the pulse of the fan base at all. I do sure. think Jason Botterill is probably gone unless they really go out and win nine or ten of these last 13 games. But it don't it don't don't put it past him to just be like you know we want to give Jason another year for the sake of you know, continue trying to keep everything the same. And the the worst part about it too would be if you move on from Botterill, you probably end up moving on from Kruger indirectly, unless you move Kruger to a management position because the new GM is going to want to come in, pick his own coach, and then you've got another new system. And I know people have kind of soured on Kruger, but I've I've kind of liked what he's done this year for the most part. Some line combinations are a little interesting, um, but he also hasn't been given the best hand of cards to play with. Well, you kind of answered my next question because that was going to, I was going to ask you, let's assume Bottrell's gone for a second. And I want to come back to him too, by the way, because I'm not done talking about his ass. Should Kruger be safe? I mean, it, it's tough because, and you said it, a new GM comes in. Is Terry Bagula going to hire someone and say, I don't know, Joe Schmo, you're going to be my GM, but here's the condition. You got to keep Ralph Kruger. Do you think they do that? Should they do that? And you do you want Kruger back? It sounds like you do want him back, regardless of who the GM is going to be. I mean, the tough part there is if you tell a guy like, well, "Okay, you can," we're only going to hire you if you agree to keep the coach on. That might limit who's willing to come in and take the job, too. right? So, I mean, if they're depending on the the GM is coming in, and is I mean, if it's Peter Chiarelli, I don't really care. Just keep keep Kruger because that team's going down even further anyway. But if it's someone who's got some promise and has a has a vision for the team, it it happens. It's just. Another, what, what can these guys do in one year, really? Well, I mean, Kruger, we, we were all praising him early in the season for finding a way to take exactly the same roster, basically, this team had last year with very, very minor changes like Marcus Johansson and, and Miller and Montour. Taking that team and going on a good early season run with them and then things start falling apart and all of a sudden it's like, well, he still has done some pretty good things. He's gotten good performances out of some guys and the goaltending situation certainly hasn't helped and the inability of the general manager to give him 12 forwards to play on a roster for a couple of months has also not helped. I mean, what is he supposed to do out there with Michael Froelich and Wayne Simmons and Evan Rodriguez who wants to be traded and Risto playing 25 minutes a night and throwing the puck to his own goaltender for goals on Saturday night? It's, I mean, if it wasn't for Jack Eichel, and again, if, the, if this team does not luck into Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin, it might be unbelievably bad. It's pretty bad. But imagine this team without ping pong ball essentially coming down to those two guys i pretty much agree with you i think ralph Kruger. i hope he gets a second chance with a better roster i mean you said it perfect man goaltending's not been good and roster's just not good enough i do have one issue with him though and i know he doesn't control the roster but he does control who plays with who why has jeff skinner spent so much time this year playing with guys that aren't up to his level i just i don't get it and I feel, I don't know, should Jason Bottrell have done a better job of communicating with Kruger saying, listen, man, you, this can't happen. I just paid a guy $9 million a year and he's playing with, Jesus Christ, I, I, VC and Frolik and, well, Johansson, I guess, would be the second best option. But the guy's playing with a bunch of stiffs is what I'm saying this year. He's playing with a yeah, bunch I mean, of bottom He's out there sports. with Larson and Rodriguez and Frolik and what do you expect from Jeff Skinner? I, right. I agree. The problem is there's maybe one or two guys, depending on your opinion of Sam Reinhardt, on this roster, and I'm of the opinion that Sam is of this quality. There's two guys on the roster who are even capable of playing at the speed that Jeff Skinner does. And you have to face the choice. Do you try to build the team that you built last year, 
which is you load up that top line. You put Skinner back with Jack and Sam. Jeff Skinner is fantastic again because he's capable with a guy feeding the puck and he plays so fast. Do you do that? Or do you do what he's been trying to do, at least in the way I look at it, and that's try to build at least a two-line team, hoping that Marcus Johansson and Freleek or Simmons or Opozo or whoever, pick a guy who's going to be that other guy on that line, can make something happen on the second line. Because now the log line, the Larson opposo Gergensen's line, has had their moments, and when they've been clicking, wow, it's amazing how much better this hockey team is. That 6-3-1 and one stretch you mentioned, that was what well, Kyle Opozo scores two goals against Winnipeg. Johan Larson is going out there making plays. Gergensen's is scoring goals. When there's only one line playing, and that's what it's been again, and now they put Skinner back with Jack for points over the last couple of games, now that it doesn't really matter how the team does. But they're going to be a one-line team. Unless Jack and Jeff score three or four goals a game, they're going to keep losing. And I understand keeping them apart. It's frustrating because you look at Skinner's numbers like, how are we paying this guy $9 million to not do anything with guys who can't play with him? Well, the problem is there's no one who can play with him. I agree. I want to circle back to Bacho real quick here. I don't even think it's a... It's hard to even make a case right now that the guy deserves a fourth year. And I get the whole continuity thing. And, you you know, you can't keep switching the GM or the coach every two or three years. I know that's what people say. I don't buy it. Bullshit. If you're here three years and this team is in no better shape now than it was when you arrived, you shouldn't get that fourth year. And I just don't understand how at this point people can even have a, a counterpoint against that. Everything from, again, the goaltending to to the, the just the overall lack of talent. I shouldn't have just too much goaltending. All Mark being hurt didn't help the matter at all. But, I mean, you look, I, we could talk every time we ever bring up Jason Bottrell. You can't bring him up without talking about the Ryan O'Reilly trade, but we could skip all that. Just some of these moves, like even guys like, they gave up draft picks and, and a player for to get Fro League and Colin Miller, and these guys are sitting in the press box with me and you watching the games. You know what I mean? How, do, how does a GM make trades for players that are healthy scratches like this? It's just, there's just there's so many reasons to get rid of him. And you talked about Bagula being an absentee owner, and you're 100% right, quite obviously. And maybe they don't have their pulse right now, but it's one thing when they were headed towards the tank and then trying to build out from underneath that. But I feel like fan confidence and enthusiasm in this team right now is at least virgin on maybe one of, if not an all-time low, and if they play out the string, and especially down the stretch here, again, these last 13 games, let's just say they don't play well and they only win three or four of these last 13 games, and they still bring Bottrell back, I think you're going to see, again, fan enthusiasm, maybe ticket sales, and an all-time low. I think it's going to be very difficult to win the fans back if you don't do anything with uh, at GM right now. And maybe that's just a part of it. Maybe they should just entirely clean house, period. Imagine, imagine raising ticket prices after this season, yeah, too, which is an incredible that. thing for them to be trying to, to mention right now. And, and you're raising ticket prices in an old stadium. Now, I've only been to five or six NHL rings around the country and not always for hockey games. I've been to like an NBA game here and there as well. But this is an arena that isn't state of the art for a team that is terrible with ownership that doesn't seem to care about the fans. And they're like, by the way, if you want to come and support this team anyway, I don't know why you would, but if you do, your bill's going up, which is astounding to me that they would have the the nerve to even tell people that. But good for them, I suppose, because Sabres fans are so diehard. They're going to keep going in spite of themselves. Attendance will be down. I would imagine it will be down, but people will still be there. 
because people are going to buy tickets on StubHub like myself, buying your $6 tickets up in the, the 300s <laughs> and finding your way down in the second period to the fourth row or wherever you end up being. Um, I would agree that they have they have to get rid of him at the end of the year. You mentioned, well, you know, the team isn't any better than it was when he got here. Not, I would argue that not only is the team not better than when he got here, it's demonstrably worse than it was when he got here. They're not getting more points in the standings. You've wasted three years of Eichel and Reinhardt. And what have you gotten out of it? What I don't think there's anything on this team right now that is better than it was three years ago other than Jack Eichel, who has gotten better and better every year. Nothing else on this team is better, and a lot of it is worse, and everyone is older. And they haven't done a better job managing assets. They trade their maybe their best statistical defenseman in Marco Scandella for a fourth-round pick so they can turn around and trade that fourth-round pick to Calgary for a guy who probably would have been sent designated for assignment before this conversation happening today. And then you bring in Miller. You don't want to play him over McCabe, who was literally a pylon. And that's offensive to pylons because I've seen pylons move more in the defensive zone than Jake McCabe does when there's a guy behind him. And somehow this team, I don't even I don't even understand the logic. And battle roll goes on. He's like, oh, we want to we make these moves for Simmons and Cahoon to play meaningful games in March. Yeah. And they still haven't played a meaningful game in March here in his entire tenure now as general manager. I tell you, the most frustrating part of all this is definitely Jack Eichel because he's playing at such a high level and you look at it, he's been, I think realistically at least, everything that you could have hoped for as a player since tanking and ending up with him. He's done everything you could ask for him. He's one of maybe the most talented, certainly skater in the history of the entire organization. If he's not number one, he's right up there with the best of the best. Yet now, you just said it, five years into his career, and he's done nothing. Forget the playoffs. Forget playing for a Stanley Cup. Dude is not even playing, and we're going to keep using that quote over and over. He doesn't even play meaningful games in March. Five years, there, his career is just rotting away in Buffalo right now. And that's the part where he said, the continuity, continuity, my ass. Make changes every year until you get it right if you had to, because sooner or later, don't you think the last thing, and then we'll finish here, if you're Jack Eichel, is your patience starting to wear a little bit thin? Like, say, come next year around January, you're buried in the standings and you're six years into your career. Your agent's going to start talking trade, isn't he? I know I would if it, if it was me. Feels like he should, doesn't it? Just sure. for his own benefit. I mean, he's already had one injury that really shortened the season for him, that preseason collision a couple of years ago. Yep. and. He is playing as well right now as anyone in the NHL. And if you ever need an argument for the fact that I think he's the he won't win the Hart Trophy, but he is the most valuable player in the NHL because this team without him is the worst team I've ever seen. Uh, that game against Philadelphia where he had the flu that night and they got ran out of the building at Wells Fargo Center is evidence enough for me. Um, but yeah, and you could tell he's getting frustrated, too. And it's good that he it's good that he's frustrated because it means that he cares. It's bad that he's frustrated and that nothing ever fixes itself because that means he's just going to stay frustrated. He's going to get himself off social media so he doesn't have to hear from fans while he's trying to live his life in the offseason because, you know, smarky Sabres fans are going to be like, oh, why are you out there enjoying some time on a boat? You should be working on getting this team better. You're the captain. You're like, oh, people are on the Internet when they see a player not doing doing things outside of playing hockey on a team that's been this bad. And he's in the locker room sitting there with his equipment on after a loss last week. Just can't believe how bad this is going. He, I would argue, I'm with you. You're a year away from if this team, nothing improves, it's going to keep coming up and coming up until something happens because there's no way that any one of his caliber should be just content playing on a team that is consistently this bad. It's got to be killing him. I mean, he's an emotional dude on the ice. You see it at times and the losing's going to, if it hasn't completely gotten to him yet, is going to 
pretty soon. All right, so let's wrap up Moranalytics podcast interest meter. I'm just I got a couple handful of sports topics from around the world of sports. I'm just going to get a one to 10 on you, what your level of interest is, and maybe, you know, a, a quick take or so on each. I want to start. I know you're not that big of a basketball guy, but I am. So I'm going to start here. LeBron James this past weekend, MVP caliber weekend, 35 years old, 17 years into the league, plays Milwaukee, the best record in the NBA on Friday, clearly outplays Giannis. They win. And then on Sunday, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers, he outplays Kawhi. They beat them. Great weekend for him. And he's right up there again with Giannis now, probably neck and neck in the uh, MVP conversation. Uh, it's a five for me on LeBron as the MVP because that's whatever to me. It's a solid nine, though. Give me Lakers bucks in the NBA finals because I would watch seven games of that in a heartbeat. Um, but in terms, in terms of MVP, it doesn't matter to me. It's just, it is incredible to watch how he is playing this year, still at his age. But my interest is in more. Give me more LeBron versus Giannis. I'll tell you what. Do you feel like, and again, not just basketball, just sports or certain athletes that we kind of take it for granted while they're here. I feel like with LeBron, he's one of the all-time greatest, not just in basketball, but all sports, kind of like Michael Jordan and Gretzky, to some extent, Muhammad Ali and stuff like that. It's like when he's here, you really need to enjoy it. I kind of feel like some of these athletes, we take it a little bit for granted. Now, I know you're not as big of a basketball guy as I am, but still, I mean, he's one of those all-time athletes. I just, I, I just love watching him play. I mean, for a guy his size to be that fast and that athletic is just unfair to other human beings trying to compete with him. It's unbelievable. And he'll kill go down and deservedly in that conversation for best player all time. And the best part about it at this point for him compared to, you know, trying to think of who you would even compare to in other sports, maybe like Tom Brady or Sidney Crosby in hockey. Those kind of guys who are just so good all the time. You almost just get used to it. Like he is just so good all the time that there's there's almost nothing he can do to be novel. And he still finds ways to make headlines, which is amazing at this point. Speaking of Tom Brady, we're now probably, I don't want to say certainly, but probably about a week or so away from finding out where his next uh, destination is going to be, whether it's New England or somewhere else. What's your interest in that? I'm starting to get a little more interested. The fact that I feel like this every other time this has come up, this has been a done conversation long before now. We're getting up to a, a solid seven here um, on the, the interest meter. It really does feel like he's not sold on going back to New England at this point. Tennessee or New England, you think those are probably the the two big-time betting favorites? If your life's dependent on it right now and you're going to make a pick, actually, yeah, I'm going to include New England. You have to make a pick right now. Your life depends on it. I really can't picture him going anywhere other than New England, even though there's reasons to think he will. I think he's a Patriot next year. Me too, man. I just think he's having a lot of fun with the process and wanting to feel wanted by a lot of people. I would, I would bet money on New England too. All right, last couple here. Dak Prescott, Dallas quarterback, reportedly rejected a contract offer about a week or so ago, $33 million per year on average and $100 million guaranteed. Uh, That's a four because he is not going anywhere and both sides know it. So he has no negotiating power at all. No one's going to pay him that kind of money in free agency. And Dallas is not going to pay good quarterback money to anyone else to replace him. Uh, I'm, I is as confident as I am that Tom Brady's going back to New England. I would I'm doubly confident that Dak Prescott signs with the Cowboys. I'm confident as well that he's not leaving, but I guess I'm confused, all right? Sometimes there's just some things in sports that I don't understand, and this is kind of one of them. When did Dak Prescott become that good? And I get it, he has leverage, but to reject a hundred million dollars guaranteed, 
When did he become that good? When did Dak Prescott become head and shoulders so much better than some of these guys who are going to be available probably for a fifth of that? Guys like Jameis Winston or Teddy Bridgewater or even, you know, Andy Dalton, some of the, uh, a couple of other guys like that. When when did Dak Prescott, what has he ever done? What has he ever won? He's got good stats. He's had some good games. I watched that Thanksgiving game. The Bills made him look like shit. I mean, that's only one game. But what is this, what is going on here that this guy's rejecting $100 million guaranteed? What am I seeing or what am I not seeing maybe that so many other people are? Because I don't think he's worth that money. If I was Jerry Jones, I'd be like, look, this is what I'm going to offer you. You don't want it. Whatever. You ain't that much better in my book than Teddy Bridgewater. I could go get in for two years for $28 million or some shit like that and go resign everyone else. Yeah, I don't know. He's he he's a good fit in that system when Zeke is healthy. I think that a lot of the issues that that team had early last year was Zeke held out and didn't play until the regular season. And then there was no running game and Dak had the broken down Jason Witten and Amari Cooper to throw to and all that nonsense. He's he's 10th to 15th best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. He's asking he's asking for way more than he's worth. You give for him sure, 100 but, million. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have negotiating. His, he's going to be having the same shit because you're going to pay him all that money. You're going to be having broken down tight ends and fourth or fifth project reclamation wide receivers on your team because you're taking up all that cap room. Screw that, man. He, he ain't worth the money to be. Anyway, last two here, okay? UB men lose in the first round of the MAC at home on Monday night. They were the fifth seed. They lost to 12th ranked Miami by six. So no repeat MAC championship for uh, the UB men this year. That's sad. That's I mean, if they had made another tournament run, I would have hundred. That's a, a any Western New York basketball team in the tourney is a nine for me. Just must watch TV. I don't care. It could be Niagara against Kansas from those few years ago where they had no right even being in the same building. UB has been a lot of fun to watch over the last couple of years making those runs. I know you have a coaching change and all of that. I was hoping they make another run. It's unfortunate for them to go down so early in the tournament, too, against a team that they were really much better than. Last one here. No locker room for reporters because of the coronavirus scare. And this is spreading. Now you're talking some leagues are going to be not having fans allowed in. I live down here in Tampa. I'm a big wrestling fan. There's even been talk, which, by the way, would be out of WWE's control. It's a, a Tampa decision. They might have to cancel WrestleMania. Down here, and that's like a hundred fifty dollar or hundred fifty million dollar boom to an economy. So this shit's getting serious. Uh, despite what Donald Trump thinks, this shit's getting serious. Yeah, and, and and I've been to four WrestleManias over the last ten years. So the thought of them having to cancel it awkwardly, even though I'll be watching this one from wherever I am, not down in Tampa Bay, um, is 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 a sad thought. But yeah, it's it's. Thinking of empty Italy cat canceling Syria ah, games through the month of March now, and the San Jose Sharks playing empty arena games. Probably it is. It's going to get really interesting over the next couple of months with NHL NBA playoffs. The tournament's starting just over a week from now, and it'll be inter- It's going to be bizarre if they end up playing all these games just in empty arenas. Like half of the fun of March Madness is that kid for the 13 seed hits the, hits the three pointer at the buzzer and 40,000 people have never heard of him before. Just all jump up in unison and tear the rafters down. Kids are going to hit buzzer beaters and some guy in the press box is going to clap quietly and then everyone's going to walk off the floor. It's gonna be really weird. Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of an interest meter, it's, it's, it's a, it's a solid 10 for me looking forward to what this is going to be. And it's going to be maybe the most bizarre couple of months of sports um, for, for this reason. 
It's a 10 for me too. And this is the one I got to chime in on because it sucks. My daughter is in the air force right now. She's in boot camp in Texas and her graduation is April 16th and 17th. So my wife and I have made already got our hotel arrangements and we were planning on driving because it's like, it's a long drive, but whatever. We're driving down to San Antonio. Well, just found out a couple hours ago, not happening. So it's beyond, the reach is now beyond sports because now there's no more ceremony because of uh, this virus. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it, it sucks, man. And uh, again, I'm not a political person. I, don't, I keep my politics, especially in this podcast, I keep it out, but really wish that our president wouldn't be downplaying this because despite how I know the flu causes many more deaths and this and that and the other, but this is serious and it's time for everybody to start treating it as such because it, it, it's very serious. Yeah, and I think we're. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But we next time we record here, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of related things that have happened and affected all the listeners and all the teams. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jeff Boyd, seven one six. Follow him on Twitter. Check out seven one six Sports Podcast and Buffalo Twenty. By the way, Steve, your boy from seven one six. Um, he's going to be down here in Florida. In fact, I think about next week, week and a half. I'm kind of making arrangements to uh hook up. Maybe I'm going to tape a little something with him and grab a couple beers. So. That should be a good time. Yeah, no, he's a great dude. So definitely do that. I'll look forward to listening to that. And hopefully while the time you're doing that, and again, coronavirus canceling everyone's travel plans, I am simultaneously planning on flying to Hawaii. So I will listen to you from a nice beach, catch my catch myself, get my voice back fully after hockey season, and I'll refresh my takes here for the next time you and I are together. All right, everyone, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, Jeff Boyd, 716 Sports Podcast in Buffalo 20. Been a few since I've had Jeff on, man. I love talking sports with Jeff. Very well-rounded guy, one of my favorites. So thank you again, Jeff. Coming up on Friday's show, big one here, Bruce Nolan from the Nick and Nolan Show, and we're going to be talking Buffalo Bills free agency. If you follow me on Twitter, you listen to this podcast, you know how high I am on Bruce Nolan. I think he is quite literally one of the very best out there today. Mainstream or not, he's as good as anyone out there. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Also, by the way, got to thank today's show supporters, 26 Shirts, Audimute, and of course, Sounds Assured. Guys, if you have not done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, rate and review, all that fun stuff. Only takes you a minute to do it, and it really helps me continue to grow this podcast. Also, Analytics Podcast YouTube channel. Go check us out there. I put up highlight clips from current and past episodes. Some original audio content from time to time will be up there as well. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at PamaranTweets. Constantly tweeting out like podcast updates, upcoming guest promos, some prize pack giveaways. Just banner with people. I'm on there all the time. Twitter is like my second home. Love being on there. So you can catch me there. Thank you so much for listening. I say it at the end of every episode. I save it for last because it means the most to me. There's a billion podcasts out there. I know this. So if you're sitting down wherever you are, gym, the office, the car, wherever, and you're dialed into this show, I'm very humbled for that. So thank you very, very much. Have a good rest of the week. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.